0: You're listening to Inside Content,
1: the TV industry podcast. This show is brought to you by 3Vision, a global TV industry consultancy specializing in content acquisition, strategy, research, and business development. Each episode, we give you VIP access to the views and experiences of senior TV executives and discuss the latest TV industry trends and
0: insights. Hi there. I'm Jack Davison, EVP at FreeVision, and welcome back to Inside Content. This is our first episode of the new year, and we've got lots of insightful guests from across the TV and streaming landscape lined up in 2023. But to kick things off this year, I'm joined by Sean Keeble, VP of Digital at J Rights. We discuss in this episode the evolution of content in the fast-enabled space, including the success of their own channel, Horizon the distribution of fast channels, the licensing of content to third-party channels, and the mixed economy for distributors in the fast space. Welcome to Inside Content. I'm Jack Davison, EVP of 3Vision, um, and I get to take a little time out today um, talking about things that matter, that are important in our industry, and I'm really pleased to be joined today by Sean Keeble, VP of, of Digital at Manager Rights. Um, hi, Sean. Hi, Jack. It's always great. I always love doing inside content because um, we don't often pause and and take that time to listen and, and and talk about things. At this point in time, we're thinking about what's happened in 2022. Um, and I think there's lots of things to discuss, lots of things that went on. Um, SVOD stumbled uh, at the, at the start of the year, I think it's fair to say, starting with Netflix, but perhaps even more significantly, a host of factors hit media and tech stocks globally, Uh, investors, Shauna, a a new light on studios and streamers, um, I guess demanding a focus on profitability instead of just a relentless no-holds-barred chase for subscribers. And the SVODs have been working really hard this year, uh, pivoting into adding advertising to services, looking at dealing with things like password sharing and, and their content pipelines, and then studios and the studio services, I guess, replanning their rollouts and how best to monetize their content. But uh, all this was going on whilst not quite out of nowhere, but um, the AVOL model was gaining significant traction. Um, financially speaking, a lot of that was clearly in, in real money terms driven by US revenue growth, but but globally um, getting huge attention, a huge, uh, huge lot of activity, kind of usage growing, and undoubtedly... Um, I, I think it is undoubtedly that it was sort of top of the hype curve in 2022 and so it is great to uh, be here at this stage of the year to talk to Sean because I, I'll let him tell us a bit more about his role well. but but Sean oversees the J's digital self-publishing commercial activities I guess I think it's probably the best way to put it um, and you work with the the team to kind of manage all the revenue share business models in digital social media and fast um, globally but I will not do a bad job of telling everyone what you do. I will leave it to you. So Sean, maybe if you could kind of start off by just telling everyone kind of what you get up to at Banerjee.
1: Of course. And thanks so much again, Jack, for allowing me to join the podcast today. So my name is Sean Keeble. I'm Vice President of Digital Distribution for Banerjee Rights. And as you say, Jack, I oversee all of the digital self publishing commercial activities. So this is alongside our senior management team. Um, and it really spans across a, a number of pillars. But we We predominantly go down to the route of Avon, SVOD self-publishing, social media clip monetization, our content protection business, uh, and also, of course, our fast channels distribution, um, which is going out globally.
0: There's actually, I mean, I know behind that, there's quite a lot really, isn't there? Because, I mean... But people don't talk a lot. Funnily enough, they don't talk a lot about YouTube, even though mm-hmm. it still is a phenomenal kind of uh, player in, in in the business. And kind of, it's almost like I think they park it and accept it, and it's there, and they have a lot of business on it. Um, and now we talk about the other interesting things. But but fast and Avod, big kind of topic, uh, obviously Banerjee right now is its constituent parts are, are, are other companies that we've known well over the last few years that you've uh, have absorbed into the business so whether it be kind of your more recent one with beyond or endemol perhaps more significantly in this topic but J, as a company were i would say involved pretty early in the market with fast um and fast channels because I, I know i know because i know you you mentioned it to me perhaps you could just give us a little bit of insight into the scale of your operations with um with fast kind of the how many channels you have and 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 kind of just just sort of what you're doing absolutely jack
1: so and and you are right you know the scale that manager Rights now has in the fast channel is 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 quite something so we in the market currently have 19 unique fast channels and we've been able to syndicate these um 68 times across various different streams around the globe so the way that we've approached fast is that we've got a mixture of both single ip and aggregate based genre channels um you know we could have channels dedicated to formats such as deal or no deal fear factor or survivor um, we've also launched aggregate channels including here in the uk our horizons powered by banje channel which is our focus of, towards our uk uh, entertainment back catalog which is of course a fantastic array i mean in terms of footprint We have channels across the US, the UK, Canada, Australia, Brazil, France, and also Germany.
0: That's quite a channel on it. I'll come back to Horizons. I'd love to ask you about that. But I was involved in in, in producing PAC's uh, UK TV export report this year, as we ha- as we as we do. And, and in it we asked distributors some questions quite similar to the on broadcast through their distributor survey. And, and it was interesting that I think uh, I've got it in front of me here, that in terms of distributors who rank kind of an area most uh, that that's sort of most important to them in terms of what, what's ca- kind of growing. Um, it was interesting that kind of AVOD has, has grown even more this year, up, up nine percentage points in ter- terms of the number of distributors that ranked it as the most important. And it, it was the f- total priority for 16% of them, which which for AVOD is, is a big jump because AVOD always was that sort of, um, not afterthought, but it was always the last thing in a way. But it has still predominantly today been about, archive and catalog and um, so I say third window um, it started even before that maybe being about kind of almost unused kind of archive I think in the early in the early days uh, with sort of very little risk but that's certainly kind of changing in terms of the attitude and the way content owners are, are approaching it you're seeing those ones that kind of weren't quite ready to jump in and maybe felt their content was too good to be sort of putting in there. That, that sort of sort of attitude seems to be opening up more and more. Um, its its success has kind of has driven sort of some of the bigger US players to get maybe involved in a little first and second window content and even sort of some of the players that the, the Roast of the World getting involved in in originals, but. I'd love to hear how you feel it will evolve. I mean, it kind of is still kind of very much about kind of a sort of secondary third, third windows. But I'd love to hear your views on kind of what you've been doing, where you see it maybe going.
1: Yeah, sure. So you
0: know, I I still stand
1: by that back catalog title exploitation in the fast channels still has a considerable amount of advantage, and you know, it's about having volume in the fast channel space. So we've always said that in Siri, you need 100 hours of content to launch a fast channel and then think about refresh. So having a back catalogue is 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 very useful in, in this play. So from our perspective, what we're thinking about, obviously, absolutely, if commercial models are reflecting those that are typical for a first or second window, then of course, we would see more of those titles in, in, in the fast space. But as, as we're noting already, AVODs, playouts and typically fast channel revenue share models are those. They, they, are, they are rev share business models in arrears um, or particularly advertising inventory splits. So I think what we're going to have to think about is should the, should the industry start seeing progression and, and, and development in terms of first or second window runs or additional originals, then of course those commercial models may need to reflect that however i still stand by from a fast channel distribution and program perspective you you'll need volume so leveraging back catalog in in this space of course is is very uh, very key yeah
0: yeah i um i kind of i want to say something but i need to qualify it cuz I know notwithstanding the fact that I think a lot of this back catalogue is actually very good. <laughs> Therefore, you're kind of in a way we're saying kind of you get what you pay for as well. If if you're still a kind of if you're not willing to pick up some of the risk as, as, a, as an operator for the content and paying kind of license fees, direct full kind of license fees, then there's always going to be a kind of cap on perhaps how that content kind of windowing is going to evolve. The services need to step up a bit to get that content a bit earlier, you'd say. And I think also just going back to the point of, you know, the back catalogue titles
1: that we're really exploring in in the fast channel space. Again, we're leveraging very recognisable IP um, and formats that would have sold in first or second windows in the market. So having that market awareness already means to the point of the fast channel will hopefully cut through. You know, we're not just uploading or scheduling content, which doesn't make sense in terms of an aggregation or in terms of an, an IP that doesn't have this, the good enough, an, enough amount of hours. you know, From our perspective, we're really looking at those titles which have already got market awareness. And the idea is for Fast is to allow for a new audience, potentially, to, to watch that format if they didn't watch it, potentially, on their first or second one, run. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... You, you you mentioned something also um, when you were talking about kind of the scope of, of the operations about how your, your 19 kind of channels are syndicated across uh, 68 times. I guess, I, I, I kind of, for me, fast channels, obviously, kind of one of the key important things, I guess, like anything in the content world, is, is distribution and the distribution of kind of on platforms which i don't think is the perfect word for the people that kind of that aggregate the fast channels because platform has create certain connotations and i think um i think maybe service is probably the better word because um there are lots of different sorts of distribution partners potentially and and uh, i guess how do how do you go about kind of evaluating those is it just about getting in front of eyeballs uh, uh, um or kind of how does it work uh, it's a fair question to ask Jack
1: so of course Banj continues to be platform agnostic as a, as a company so you know we'll work with whomever makes commercial sense um from our perspective absolutely channel syndication is key in the fast channel space um but so is p l so when we're looking at the various connected TV platforms you know we'll be striking deals with those Global players they can include the likes of Samsung TV plus or LG channels, Amazon's freebie service, but we're also looking at a, a, a local level as well in terms of those players that may have obviously already footprint in those um, those major markets too. So that could include Netgen, for example, here in the UK. Um, from in terms of platform evaluation, you know, we're, we're gonna be looking at a number of factors. It can include footprint, i.e. how many devices are available in the market, who's watching the channels, who's watching the, the platform, who are these audiences? Um, and predominantly, are these audiences going to be interested in our banjo rights channels? So we've got to take those into consideration alongside, of course, the commercial return. We'll have to be looking to, you know, what are the ad sale rates? What are the expected advertising CPMs for us then to make a commercial decision?
0: Yeah, that, that I mean, I guess... There are quite a few moving parts, aren't there? And 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 in some respects, well, maybe you're obviously in a slightly different kind of um, part of the part of the chain to us. But in some respects, there is that kind of challenge with data as well. Who's who's sharing it all, and how much they're sharing, and and so on. But one, you mentioned a few of them. I'd love to kind of just. Focus on more um, in, in a general kind of area. I mean, the, the the OEMs, the equipment manufacturers like Samsung and LG you mentioned, and Vizio, kind of, they are um an increasingly kind of interesting piece of the equation with Fast and and, and Avod at the moment. Um, what I think is absolutely kind of flabbergasting, actually, is it, one of them. I, I was I was i was looking at their 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 uh, uh annual report actually and and vizio who make tvs i think people who know vizio know they make tvs they also have kind of, kind of avod and fast uh, uh um, services they to today the first three quarters of this year they made a profit of, of 227 million dollars um 94 of that profit was from platform revenues was from advertising, uh, uh, sharing from SFO partners or facilitating direct advertising on connected TVs. That's 6% of those revenues were from selling TVs. I, I just think it's quite quite, it, it's quite, telling when, kind of, I know we've all seen Roku develop from, a, from an equipment manufacturer originally into a kind of service provider, a naval provider. Their, their kind of revenue number's not quite, I think, that extreme, but they, they show the same story of how important their kind of revenues are from, from those services and and they they've they themselves obviously are really important platform partners from the from the likes of your, yourselves but they're also licensing content and 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 taking in some cases taking some risk um and creating their own um uh, what i think that the industry likes to call own 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 no own channels owned and operated channels um and um, I know Samsung's got kind of a wildlife one they've had a, in some markets they own they run the Baywatch one they've got sort of the Jamie Oliver one they've got um, uh, there's more I, I, I think sort of the names escape me and and, and Vizio I think all of theirs, most of their channels Vizio somethings and have some movie channels I think Broker's got a couple uh, movie ones and, and um, this. I am presuming uh, well it, this is also an opportunity. So we've talked about fast channels but but actually licensing to those guys who are running their own fast channels is it is as presumably as a good opportunity for distributors and are you I mean you in is that is that mixed economy something you work in in terms of kind of targeting the opportunity? Sure. So absolutely, you
1: know, typically if bandry rights has launched a third party channel on on a platform then already those those conversations of licensing to an uh, owned and operated channel would also be in parallel. Um, you know, it's, it's a good commercial route. It's another avenue for either titles, which again, may not have enough volume to be in its own fast channel. So being approached or approaching a platform to discuss their own and operated opportunities, again, allows for another form of uh incremental revenue streams from there but as you say already jack typically those those models may differ as there might be more risk coming from the platform so absolutely you know the opportunity of of, of licensing content for onO it's certainly one that boundary rights does explore um, and typically in parallel when launching a third party fast channel on the
0: platform and kind of almost as a sort of adjunct to that that um, I, I was sort of always aware, kind of, kind of a few years ago, of, of the sort of the proliferation of those, kind of, the aggregators not exclusively but largely in the U.S obviously taking advantage of the growth and the kind of scale of that market and how quickly it, it grew um uh film Rises one but there are others um and um they launched a lot of channels and 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 they launched some general channels with with just uh movies in and, and TV shows then they launched some single IP ones that that um distributors including UK distributors kind of licensed some content to, to to operate we've seen a few of those. Tra- transition from kind of being FilmRise uh, or, or other aggregator operated ones to perhaps being more directly run by by the distributors uh, I think that there's still a role for these companies because they, they they know what they're doing they've been doing it for years and and they'll still offer channels the same way any anyone does but but do you see um perhaps that calming a bit more as distributors kind of develop those skills to go direct to to, to the platforms?
1: I think it will all go down to, of course, infrastructures and certainly resource at desk to not only strike deals with the, the, the fast channel platforms themselves or the connected TV platforms, and we've also got the operations to go ahead and facilitate the channels, not only deliver the content to the platforms or to the facilitator, but also then to program and schedule the content, which, of course, are, are roles which are very key when launching channels. So I think it really will come down to a, a company's position in terms of a resource at desk uh, and also, you know, wanting to either invest in, in in-house in or, or or third-party routes to market. So I think there's certainly still, you know, a, a, a need for aggregators potentially for those, those companies that don't have that resource in-house.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, i would um i assume that over the last few years it, even though uh, uh, banerjee's constituent parts are, are have been are hugely huge big and significant and you're a big player you've had to learn a lot of skills and 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 bring in new processes and operations to be able to do what you do
1: you you are fairly right jack so absolutely you know in terms of Talent retention and talent growth, it's certainly a big priority for the company. And as we have launched, you know, at scale our fast channels operation, it has meant for hiring talents that, you know, uh, are going to be suited to these roles. So when we're thinking about our fast channel operation again, we're going to need to find channel programmers or channel managers, as well as operations um, executives who can deliver content to a specific uh specification to each platform typically via via cloud um, we need of course people to handle metadata artwork um, and again going back to the programmers we need people to physically schedule content uh and on on linear feeds which is something of course would be typically sitting with a, a broadcaster instead of a distributor but from our standpoint you know what we're doing is we are taking these channels and we are curating them in in the best possible Way whether it be um, programming in blocks or or programming to clock. You know, we're we're certainly looking at all all avenues of programming strategy, as well as leveraging that data, um, which you mentioned earlier before, Jack, in terms of how we can take that information at a granular level and then, of course, schedule accordingly. So in terms of talent opportunities, absolutely, we've had to um, certainly consider all of these um, moving parts as we continue to grow the fast channel business.
0: Yeah, that's great, and I and and uh, I'm going to steal that you just said when you said whether you're programming into blocks or programming to clocks. I like that as an expression because that's important in this uh, mm-hmm. in the fast world. I, that, that that brings me back actually to something you said really early on, and I think it's a really interesting I- interesting development because I think people can be a bit. It's very easy to be um, a little bit flippant about fast because. Um, well, there's elements about fast proposition that you can sit there and say, "What the hell?" Like we've moved into a world of kind of on-demand and box sets and and kind of people accessing whatever they want, whenever they want. Kind of the linear TVs on the decline. Kind of why why would fast be be doing so well? I think it's caught a lot of people by surprise, but but there is some obvious kind of strengths to it, and 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 it is answering, I think, a very obvious consumer need, which is sort of a more less taxed um uh, uh less sort of searching kind of, kind of need and more just sit back and and and, and be entertained but I, I think people can also be a, a little bit um flipping about kind of maybe single ip channels where it's just an episode after an episode and and i there is still i think uh, there is a skill there and a requirement there to kind of do things but but more importantly what i thought was really interesting was when you launched your horizons channel which is as from i i i had it on in in the office on friday actually i was i was watching it so at least i could understand it and it is scheduled like a um uh well a a general entertainment channel sorry it's probably a better way of putting it you have you have um uh, entertainment shows quiz shows drama um, and it, it's a um, it's a it's a good old tv channel so it's not and it's not thematic it's not a single op um, and I'm I'm really interested in what you could how's it going like I, I like how's that channel working is, is it is it doing okay like anything you can tell us about it uh, thank you Jack first of all for recognizing absolutely we are
1: very proud of horizons and you know for us, it's 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 our flagship UK channel in which where we've got our UK entertainment catalog. And the good thing about that channel is that as you as you rightfully mentioned, Jack, in terms of as opposed to a single IP-led channel, we've got a lot of content to refresh. So in terms of our back catalogue opportunity, we have a number of hours that we can program and schedule into the channel accordingly. So we launched the channel um, in September and we have launched across a number of platforms now here in the UK, including Samsung TV+. And we're very proud and we're very happy of how things are going. It's a really good opportunity for us to, as as you rightly say, schedule as as a traditional expected uh, linear feed. So we will be really thinking about our programming strategies across the day. So, you know, we, we may start with our, with our quiz shows, which then potentially might lead into our more softer dramas throughout Prime. Um, but then when we're thinking about post-Watershed, we've got a lot of great content which can be played out post 9pm, including the likes of Would I Lie to You or 8 Out of 10 Cats, um, some fantastic scripted dramas, including Gunpowder. Um, so from our perspective, what we're really leveraging here is a 24-hour linear playout. Um, which absolutely we are programming uh, to the to to the clock. Um, it allows us, of course, to be very um, you know hands on with our tentpole programming as well. So if we're looking at our Christmas uh, schedules or we're looking at our Easter schedules, you know, typically what we'll find is that we have content that we can we can publish and, and and we can program around those, which which allow for incremental marketing opportunities not only with our own social media platforms where we'll be able to cross-promote, but also with the platforms themselves where we can hopefully look at some on-platform marketing opportunities. Um, But for us, Horizons absolutely allows us to have an opportunity where we can refresh content at a much greater scale, um, as well as take all of that data and understand to to an hour and to a minute, of course, what content is working well.
0: That's great. We often get asked in, in, in some of our in the course of doing our kind of day to day kind of um, project work for for, for for clients kind of um, those kind of trickier questions about Avod and, and and fast sort of what's which are the most successful channels and what's doing best and and, and the honest answer is you, you can't really answer that because no one's not everybody is giving you a kind of full view of the data and and it, it isn't sort of measured yet properly and um but you can pick up bits and bobs and hear from people about what, what what's going well and you can be a bit um uh a, a bit kind of uh well a bit silly and say things that well kind of the most successful fast channel is not launched yet, which I th- which I think is a, is is true. I think kind of experiments, experimentations like this with with horizons and and new kind of kind of innovations are are going to be happening on and on. And I think people are going to continue to tweak and really kind of uh, try and find the best recipe. But um, it is going to be really interesting to watch. I think it, especially kind of this year coming 2023, um, we're going to see kind of a, a lot of really interesting um developments. I guess to that point, kind of what's what's next for you? Um, what, what's next for Bannages? Uh, of course, it's a
1: very fair question to ask Jack. Of course, from our perspective, we've now got 19 fast channels in the market. And we we're we're not certainly going to slow down. We're going to continue looking at those launching more fast channels, those that of course make sense to do so with the the with the depth of back catalogue, you know, it's it's certainly about either curating those again those single IP led channels or again looking at more aggregate genre based channels so from our perspective next year it's really about again looking at more fast Channel opportunities in terms of launching again syndicating those existing channels and exploring again from those 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 commercial models those those advertising opportunities whether it be um you know exploring that 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 too
0: yeah. That's that's great. I mean, I think um I absolutely won't ask you to comment on it, but I think that there's obviously there's a lot of fast channels are, are out there that are um, very low on the quality scale. At scale I don't think anyone will mind, mind me saying that. There's lots of kind of, the, they originated from kind of the digital world from from YouTube. I think, I think there's a huge volume of kind of, um, of very average channels and I, I would expect kind of next year, a lot of those to sort of slowly kind of they won't disappear, but they'll find a place slightly different to where the the kind of the broadcast quality, kind of um, more, more significant kind of kind of uh, fast channels exist. So, I, I hope that that will give. Even more of a of a um, of an opportunity for the, those ones to to shine and to, to to kind of grow as as the other ones. I'm, I'm, i sh- I shouldn't. I, I don't mean to be entirely dismissive of them, but find their place so that they don't out, crowd out kind of that market. But but that's great, Sean. I think I think we're probably to time. Um, thank you so much for for joining us, and um, I look forward to catching up sometime soon and see, seeing seeing uh, seeing what you get up to in in, in 2023 with your channels. No, of course,
1: absolutely. Thank you so much, Jack, for the opportunity again. It's been a great pleasure speaking to you today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Content, the TV industry podcast brought to you by 3Vision. With decades of TV industry experience and real-world success, we know the ins and outs of the market like nobody else. To learn more about our TV consultancy services,
0: head to 3Vision.tv.